It sounds a little bit like the Home Alone track. A little bit. Like, there's similarities between it and somewhere in my memory. Like, it's, it's designed to hit you the same places on your brain. Exactly. It's like they're capitalizing on that. John Williams, you genius. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we are filthy doubters. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2004 CGI animated Christmas classic, Polar Express. The Polar Express, guys. What film is more magical at Christmas time? Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not with an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, in the holiday season, be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join this watch party. All right, train's pulling in. You ready to get started? Yes. Yes, I'm ready to get started. Watch it with the puns. <laughs> we really can't play the trailer for this movie. Oh, come on. Play them just a snippet. Like, it's really just the first, like, it's really just part of the opening of the movie. The part where he goes out of the house and, like, sees the train. And he's like, holy crap. Well, here. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it when we get there. How All right. That? Chris Van Alsberg has been with us before. He, uh, we did Jumanji. Chris Van Allsburg is the writer and the illustrator of Jumanji, and he's also the writer and illustrator of this iconic children's picture book. It's from 1985. Yeah, it's an old, old story. Like, a lot of you probably have memories of being read this in school in December, or maybe you, your parents read it to you, like, cuddled up with a cup of cocoa. I remember on the DVD for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, this was the first trailer. Really? That played before the menu. (laughs) Here we are. He's back again. Robert Zemeckis. What have we done that's been a Robert Zemeckis film? We've done... Oh, he was involved with the prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. Oh, okay. He was a producer. All right. We don't really keep track of producers on this show, just because, wow. (laughs) But that's a piece of (laughs) trivia that, of course, you know. Absolutely. Robert Zemeckis directs. He also directed Forrest Gump. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Castaway. Yeah. He's got some some pretty big ones in his pocket here. He did Beowulf. Oh, God, And Beowulf. Flight with Denzel Washington. Don't get me started on Beowulf. He did friggin' Back to the Future, guys. Like... Yeah, it's he's a legend. This, this film is just so... It's not that unique, just in terms of the entire industry, but to me, it's unique. It's got a record for being the first completely motion-captured film. Everything is acted in motion capture and then animated over it. It's why the animation looks so scary good for 2004. It's why we need to talk about Don Burgess. Oh, really? Don Burgess is the film's cinematographer. And I think it must be a big feat for someone who has worked mostly in live action film. When it comes to it, that's got to be a perilous task for a cinematographer who's probably never done anything like that before. Yeah. You have to make sure everything translates nicely so that they can animate it. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? You're responsible for a lot. And I mean, he did Forrest Gump. He's done Spider-Man. He did Castaway. He did The Conjuring. 
the the 2011 Muppets movie. Oh boy, I know. See, so random. So he's he's definitely got different um talents. He's got an array of experience when it comes to this. So I think it's very interesting that he pulled something else out of his cap after all the diverse things he's done. This is like one giant Norman Rockwell painting. Oh yeah, kind of. And I love it. No, yeah, a lot of the animation is very devoted to the original art style, the original look of everything in the picture book. Mm -hmm. And I've got a couple of examples, but we'll come back to that in a second. So, you might have guessed it, but we have names. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks, That's yes. it. No, that's not <laughs> it. Guys, welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Tom Hanks. Yes, he was with us when we did Sleepless in Seattle. You also know him from movies like Big, The Money Pit, um... There are others. Saving Private Ryan, Philadelphia, Saving Mr. Banks, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, gosh. So many. So many of our faves. Like, Tom was just ready to play every single character in this movie. Like, every bit of motion capture they That's needed. That's the thing. It was just going to be, like, all done by Tom Hanks, like, which is insane. Like, I, I respect that because Tom Hanks, in his own right, and, and for good reason, is very expensive. So, like, if we're already going to do a movie where we have to animate everything, which is going to cost a lot of money. Let's make him work for his money. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? He got exhausted doing it. Yeah, he was just like, nope, let's delegate. Let, let's 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 cast a few other people, huh? And that's the thing. The roles in this film all have several different performers to its finished element. Yeah. You have somebody doing the motion capture, you have somebody doing the voice, you have someone doing their singing voice, and then you have actors who are references for the animation. Yeah, like, it gets really complicated, and we're just going to try and go through this quickly. Okay, so Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, like, plays, like, five different characters in this film. He plays the, he does some of the motion, he does a lot of the motion capture for our principal boy, our hero boy, and then he does Santa Claus and the conductor and the, the, the hobo tramp that lives on top of the train for some reason. And I think he's also the dad. He is, most he, definitely. So, like, he's just... He's, he's the narrator. He's, he's Santa Claus. Yeah, like, it's the, the granddaddy <laughs> of all roles, Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. Josh Hutcherson also does motion capture for this. He was a he was still a young a child. He was still a child when this was made. Yes, he was not PETA What's-His-Bucket. Yes, he goes on to be PETA Malark in the Hunger Games franchise. He's also from the Bridge to Terabithia. You like him? Because he's a voice in House Moving Castle. Yes. When he was a kid. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I forgot about Bridge to Terabithia. Also, he's Zathura. That's right. It's Zathura. Which is also a Chris, a Chris, Van, Chris Van Osberg project. Yep. And then voicing our hero boy is Daryl Sabara, who is Junie Cortez from the Spy Kids movies. That blew my mind. I did not know that. He's married to Megan Trainer now. That is also another weird piece of trivia. I love it. I, th and they're so happy. <laughs> well, good for them, I guess. <laughs> but I just, I, that blew, I haven't seen this movie since we were kids. Mm -hmm. So this was just, a lot of this was kind of fresh for me, mm -hmm. and that blew my mind. I was like, it's Junie Cortez! We also have Nona Gay. She is our hero girl. Uh, she's the daughter of Marvin Gay. Is she really? Yes, and she's best known in Hollywood for her portrayal of Z in the Matrix franchise. I couldn't tell you who that was. I saw the first Matrix movie one time. Doing her motion capture is very notorious. Her name's Tanashi, I think? Yeah. Tanaji. She is like I've never heard of her before, but she she's a chart topper. Oh, my 
guys, welcome back to Kicking and Streaming. Eddie Deason. Oh my goodness. He was with us near the beginning. Yes. He he, he was here when we did Grease 2. Yes. He is, uh, what's that character's name? Eugene. Eugene, yes. He was in Grease and in Grease 2. And he's also famous for being the voice of Mandark on Dexter's Laboratory. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. He's also in war games. No, you're yeah, kidding me. He's also in war games. We need to do war games so we can shut we can shut the hell up about it. I know. Like <laughs> it seems like the world is telling us to do war games. Yeah, I, I I'm guessing so. I don't even really know. Steven Tyler. Oh my god, Steven Tyler is in this for point five. Yeah, we'll get to that though. We will get to that. This film doubled its budget. They made back double the budget? Yeah. Oh my good grief. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this movie was made for IMAX. Yeah. So I could see people going back to see this multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like, going up to their friends and being like, guys, I saw this movie in IMAX. It was the coolest thing ever. We have to go back. We open with Tom Hanks narrating. Tom Hanks is the movie. Yeah, no, it's just like, like Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. Yes. And like right off the bat, we have to agree on a name for this kid because the film doesn't give him one. And I kind of don't want to- He's wanna, Hero Boy. You want to call him Hero Boy the whole time? I don't want to call him anything else necessarily. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I dub the Hero Boy. You want to call him Tom? No, I don't want to call him Tom. We can call him Tom. On Christmas Eve, many years ago- I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound I was afraid I'd never hear. The ringing bells of Santa's sleigh. Tom Hanks is obviously supposed to be the adult version of this little boy. This little boy who, in classic fashion, is grappling with his belief in Santa Claus because he's growing older. And, like, he's in the process of trying to catch Santa at it. Yes. Like, he's crawling out of bed, going downstairs, looking to see if he's been here yet. Ah, milk and cookies haven't been touched. No Christmas presents under the tree. He almost gets caught. By dad. And Who little... looks exactly like... is It is Tom Hanks. It is Tom Hanks. Like, it, it is actually Tom Hanks. Little sister's pulling that shtick where she's like, I need a drink of water so she can go look. Okay, Cindy Lou, let's get you some water and get you back to bed. And, like, apparently, Hero Boy has been telling little sister Sarah, who gets a name... Like, I just don't know why the the main character doesn't get a name, but mm-hmm. there's a theory behind that. But little he's been telling little sister Sarah that Santa Claus might not exist. Yeah. Well, your brother said that? Well, he was just kidding you. He knows there's a Santa. He said he wasn't sure. He wasn't sure Santa was for real. Of course Santa's for real. He's as real as Christmas itself. But he won't come until you're sound asleep, young lady. Like, he's having serious doubts. He's got receipts. Um, He goes to his chest of drawers and pulls out these magazines and stuff. And I love, because I love that they're actual Norman Rockwell ads. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. He's got a whole cache of evidence that he thinks points to Santa not being real. There's that famous Norman Rockwell portrait of the kid in front of the mantle holding the Santa outfit. Yeah, it's called The Discovery. It was on the yeah. cover the cover of the New York Post. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a clipping about mall Santa striking. It's like, <laughs> oh, look at all these Santas in the same picture. The kid reads that the North Pole is stark, barren, and devoid of life. It's just like, oh no, is this an end to the magic? Yeah, yeah, the end to the magic. Because Christmas is sounds so magical and all this stuff and yeah. Hey. 
How did you find out? How did I find out? Carrie Ann, how did you find out? That Santa wasn't real? Yeah. Well, you know, I think we watched a ton of movies as kids. Like, belief in Santa is something that is often a theme in these films. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think at one point, one year, like, I don't remember how old I was. I was probably, I don't want to say I was 12. That sounds old. But that feels right. And I went to mom and I was like, so mom, level with me. Is Santa real? And I think mom just respected me enough to look me in the face and go, no, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. Santa's not real. It's me and your dad. Please don't tell your little brother. <laughs> like we get a couple more years in him. We'd like to we'd like to nurture that because here's the thing. I don't mean to be bleak, but finding out that Santa Claus isn't real is the beginning of the end of your childhood. Okay. Like you usually find out around 10 years old. Yeah. And then like you go into adolescence and you become jaded and snarky. Yeah, dad told me that Santa Claus didn't exist, but he used to a long, long time ago and it made me feel better. <laughs> like he was a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I love that when they come to check on and they're like, he's got to be asleep by now. And he goes, see, an express train couldn't wake him now. Oh, L-O-L. And I'm like, <laughs> You don't like that? It's just like, come on. Well, an express train does wake him. This is where I remember the trailer. Yeah, because this it's the trailer starts with this clip where he's just asleep in bed mm-hmm. and he starts hearing the train noises. Yep, 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 yep. He hears a train and he's like, hmm, I don't live near the train tracks. <laughs> and he looks out the window and there is a train pulling into his residential suburban street. <laughs> and he's like, I don't remember there being track in the road. <laughs> He jumps out of bed, he gets his robe on, he tugs it off his bedpost, but it rips a hole in his pocket, slides his slippers on, and out the door he goes. Imagine a full-on locomotive comes down the middle of your street. It's big and black, and it says the Polar Express on the side in big silver letters. I think I'd panic. Oh, no, I know. It's like, am I hallucinating? I, think- I, I, would, Im- I would immediately assume I was dreaming. Mm-hmm. And so like, for my train nerds out there, you'll already know this is an American 284 Baldwin steam locomotive. Mm-hmm. He's like following the sound of this voice. It's Tom Hanks's voice again. All aboard! All aboard! All aboard! I love this shot where he's walking towards the voice and out of the mist comes the conductor. And it is Tom Hanks. Yeah, this is, out of all the characters that Tom Hanks is playing, this is the one that most closely resembles him. Like, He's got his little broom mustache and his glasses and his cute hat and uniform. The conductor is my favorite. He is also my favorite mm-hmm. out of all the colorful cast of characters we're about to meet. Well, you coming? Where? Why, to the North Pole, of course! This is the Polar Express! And then he's like, uh, huh? <laughs> Gavin's first question was, why are there no other kids out on this street coming to see what the ruckus is about? Because he has been chosen to go. Well, yeah, the reason he's been chosen to go... Because he's starting to not believe... Yeah. He's he's have he's a doubter. He's on a list somewhere. Yeah, the conductor picks up a clipboard and he's like no photo with Santa at the mall this year, no letter, no magic. Yeah, no magic. Yeah. He's re- He's like a priest. He's like you're having doubts. He's at the age of not believing. I wrote he needs this. 
Yeah, he Santa does. has decided he needs this. This this very much violates the don't talk to or go with strangers uh, rule. No, yeah, he doesn't want to get on the train at first. And I'm like, good on you, kid. Good on you, hero yeah, boy. He makes the right decision to begin with. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. And he's like, oh, well, your choice. <laughs> don't hops, get on trains with strangers in the middle of the night. Hops back on the train, weighs the lamp, and on we go. But we decide at the last second we need to get going. He hops on that train. I love the image of the snowman waving goodbye in the wind. Yes, I love that. (laughs) It's like, goodbye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. I said, it's like riding the bus. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you hate it? (laughs) Because I I felt him so much when he went into the train car and all these kids are roughhousing around and he doesn't know where to sit. And so he's just like trying to not be noticed. And I'm like, I remember that so well. Just getting onto my own bus. Like, no one perceive me, please. Yeah, nobody even look at me or I might die. Yeah. We meet Know-It-All. Yeah, the Know-It-All is very familiar. That's that's the character's name, the Know-It-All. He sounds like a man. Ah, I know it's a magic train. Actually, it's a Baldwin 284 S3 class Berkshire type steam locomotive. Built in 1931 as the Baldwin Locomotive Works. It weighs 400. Look at him. Of course he knows what kind of train this is. (laughs) We have Hero Girl. Yeah, we call her Hero Girl. I hate this. She looks exactly like Quinn Blackwell. If you know who Quinn Blackwell is, she made the joke. I didn't. I love hot pickles. Why? Because they never leave me. I love y'all. That's right. That's right. She put on Twitter that she looks like the little girl from Polar Express. So. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. If I accidentally call her Maria, that's because I wrote her name as Maria in my notes. Why? I don't know why. I can't qualify it. She's a Maria to me. Her name is Maria. I don't know. I have no evidence. So hero girl. Yeah. Hero girl. Uh, Okay, cool. This kid is somehow still not convinced he's actually going to the North Pole, even though a train showed up in front of his house for no reason. So we pass a little uh, department store, which has the weirdest name, Herpelsheimers, I think. <laughs> I think we're supposed to evoke an an air of like old German toy stores. Yeah, this sounds like a store that probably existed in Chris Van Allsburg's little uh, town he grew up in. I wonder if he grew up in Michigan. He grew up in Grand Rapids. Oh, did he? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so we're getting a very Norman Rockwell Grand Rapids feel here. Herpelsheimers. <laughs> Eddie Deason does not say it like that, but that's no. how I say it. <laughs> Herple Sheemers. <laughs> and they're like, wow, look at all those presents. I want all of them. <laughs> I want everything in Herple Sheemers. <laughs> I don't know why that got me, but it did. Are you working now? Yeah, I pull night shift down with the Herpelsheimers. <laughs> Where did he used to work? Al's Toy Barn. Al's Toy Barn. <laughs> Absolutely. I, love- I had to leave because of creative differences. I love that bit. <laughs> like, uh, there's a little Santa in the front stacking presents, and he turns around, and obviously there's a cog in his back because it's a robot. Yeah, it's a toy. And the kid is, like, disappointed. And I'm like, did you think Santa was in the front? <laughs> Of Herpelsheimers? <laughs> That's a very good point. He's a kid. I like, get it. Leave him alone. This ticket punch triggers my fight or flight. Oh, my God. So the conductor starts coming around and asking people for their tickets so he can punch them. I don't know if some of you have never ridden a train. Not but... the kids, the tickets. No, no. We're not punching the kids. No, we're punching. <laughs> if you've never ridden a train... <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) If you've never ridden a train, that's what happens. The conductor comes around and he punches your ticket with a little hole punch. He's doing it real fast. Oh my god, he's like carving letters into their tickets. Boy, that guy sure likes to show off with his ticket punch. Look at that wise guy punched on my ticket. 
L-E. What the heck does that mean? L-E. L-E. What does that mean? <laughs> like, they're all getting one or two letters. None of it makes any sense. He got a B and an E at the opposite end of his ticket. Yeah, Hero Boy he- did. Yes, Hero Boy. Sorry, we, you're right. We gotta be specific. There's just lots of lots of roles in the IMDb is listed as boy or girl on train. I know. Yeah. Because uh, they don't have names. Exactly. Uh, the conductor has no absolutely no time. For anyone's shit. He he cannot be late. He's the definition of fussy. I mean, that I guess that is the job of a conductor. Yeah, to keep to, things on time. So, I mean, I used to love trains as a kid, guys. I am, we stan Island of Sodor. Like, <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine for life. They see the whole spiel happen again with a new kid. I just, the way Eddie Deason goes, we're headed for the other side of the tracks. Yeah, no, that's a really not so subtle attempt to say that we're we're headed a... for the poor people. Yeah, we're <laughs> in a we're in a poorer neighborhood now. This kid that they stop for in the poorer neighborhood. Uh huh. Can we just say his name is Billy now? Yeah, yeah, it's Billy. His name, like, we don't get his name at first, but his name's Billy, and I don't want to call him Lonely Boy. But the two main ones don't get names. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Hero Boy, Hero Girl, and Billy. He's the only one on the train identified by name. No yeah. one else is identified by. My name. Yeah, no. That this kid Billy also does not want to get on the train at first mm-hmm. because his parents raised him right. The train starts pulling away and Billy starts running after the train. And so Hero Boy's like, he's gotta get on the train. So he had second thoughts. So did I. He deserves to be on the train. <laughs> and he pulls the emergency brake. We have to stop the train. I don't know how to stop the train. Emergency brake. Everybody who was not in a seat goes flying. I wrote, holy fuck, don't do that. Whenever <laughs> he pulls the brake. <laughs> the conductor is on a very tight schedule and he becomes fussy when you disrupt his schedule. <laughs> and then he's like, well, now that I'm done being fussy and mad, a musical number. <laughs> he gets on the thing. You know, the thing Kristen Stewart gets on in the plane and is like, there's a colonial woman on the wing. She's turning butter. She's turning butter. There's something they're not telling us. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, yeah. This is just the intercom. And he goes, your attention, please. Are there any Polar Express passengers in need of refreshment? <laughs> I thought so. This is a scene from the book. This is something that's actually depicted in the book. Mm-hmm. The hot chocolate waiters. Oh, God. We we have full-on tap-dancing waiters with hot liquid. We're in a <laughs> jazz number all of a sudden. Like, what in the world? We got Get it, Tom. I mean, yeah, he's dancing around too. Sonia got hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. As the song ends, they take all their tables and their cloths with them and they're outie. Like they were never here. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's kind of Harry Potter It's a moving train. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's very skillful. No children were scalded. <laughs> Everybody's pouring and nobody's spilling a drop. It's just flawless Christmas magic at work. Hero Girl hides her cup. 
so that she can get another one because she wants one for Billy. Billy went to sit in the rear car all by his lonesome. He's socially distancing. Okay. He's like, I don't want to catch that Christmas. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, be nice to Billy. He, we... just, he just doesn't. He does not want to be perceived. He doesn't. And I don't blame him. But he's he's like, you know what? If this is real, I got to find out if it is. And he's like, I don't know if you should do that. And the know-it-all is like, yeah, it's against travel code to cross moving cars without a grown-up. And she's about to do it. And then the conductor's back. <laughs> what about this lad in the back? Did he get any refreshment? Mm-mm. Well, let's take some to him, by all means. Watch your step now, watch your step. Is this the beginning of the movie getting weird for you? Yes. All right, so here's what happens. This is all his own fault. Okay, now come on. Let's be easy on this kid. Okay, so Hero Girl, her ticket, her train ticket is sitting on the seat where she was sitting. Like right where she was sitting. And it hasn't been punched. And and I guess it hadn't been punched yet. So Hero Boy decides it's now his duty (laughs) to return it to her. When yeah. if he had just left it where it was, yeah. we would have had a much easier ride to the North Pole. Yeah, no, I know, I know. This Do is... you know what I mean, Jer? Do you know what I mean, Vern? This is probably a good time to point out that we're stretching a child's picture book into a full-length feature film. And listen, that always doesn't that doesn't always work. Please see Fantastic Beasts or Where the Wild Things Are. But like I I think this movie, for the most part, at least is a is a delight to watch, even though we've got a lot of things in here that obviously did not happen in the book we all know and love. Of course. Of course. But like, I'm just saying, hero boy, she's coming right back. (coughs) You know what I mean? She's coming right back. This literally this I wrote this is literally just to create conflict. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And but- you know what he does in between cars? He loses it. Yeah. That ticket flies out of his hand. And then we are taken on a little side journey. Yeah, it blows out of his hand and like he, it starts floating through the air. <laughs> that ticket, being magic, follows them via nature. I love how they went out of their way to get a lot of the original imagery from the book into the movie. Uh-huh. Like that ticket blows out of his hand and it finally ends up landing on a bank of snow amongst some trees. Because I'm pretty sure they're in North Yukon by this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like some wolves run by, which is a page from the picture book. Yeah. And these wolves just watching the train go by. This part becomes a little gratuitous because of the film because the film was obviously made so it could be shown in IMAX. Yeah. And we got to get the most out of the visuals. And so the ticket goes wolves on the wind into the mouth of an eagle into an eagle baby spit out of a nest uh, to snowball momentum and then we are back on the front of the train. It blows under the entirety it blows under the entire length of the train. Also, there's a man under the train. Yes, there is a man under the train. <laughs> he's, I, just, he's just chilling. He's sleeping. You and know, I've a, never noticed that he, somehow. He's this far from the ground where he could be murdered. Like, put a pin in that. Put a pin in this man who has no fear. We'll come back to that in a it hot second. blows over his face. The kid fesses right up to losing her ticket for her because the conductor's like, hey, I, I, now that you mention it, I haven't punched your dick. And she's like, you know, it was right here. Um, I don't know what happened to it. And the kid's like, how am I going to how am I going to live with myself? He tries to give her his ticket. (laughs) And the conductor 
Christopher becomes incensed. You can have my ticket. These tickets are not transferable. Young lady, you will just have to come along with me. Hero Girl has to go with the conductor. He's like, you're just gonna have to come with me. Mm. I think the kids honestly think he's gonna throw her I off the back of the train. I can't believe they actually think he's gonna murder this child. <laughs> like, guys, come on, it's not that movie. Santa Claus would not be okay with that. Somehow the ticket made it back in the train. Yeah, it like comes up through the vent or something and he, he gets it out of the vent. And he's like, I gotta get them. And he runs. I don't know why he took her aft. Listen to me, aft. Like, this is a ship. (laughs) I don't know why he took her to the back. Like, he took her to the back of the train and onto the roof. This This is insane. Like, why are they on the roof? This train is going 100 miles an hour. And in the dead of winter in northern Canada. Like, make it make sense. Why are they on top of the train? Like, he's he's leading her over the tops of the roofs of the cars. All I see in Slippery to the engine. Like, why? Just go through the train. I don't know. Just go through the train and over the fucking bed of coals, you lunatic. Who is this? I need to call this union. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about child endangerment. Because, like, pay needs to be docked. Yeah. This is this is incredible. And so, yeah, we go over the roof of the engine. This doesn't make any sense. He finds a hobo up there with his own little campfire going. Like, on top of the train car. Yeah. He's camped out. Is this something I can do for you? I'm looking for a, a girl. A girl? <gasps> Hey, we all! (laughs) He's playing a little string instrument. I learned a new word today. Do you know that what that string instrument is called? Lay it on me. A hurdy gurdy. (laughs) For real? Yes. (laughs) This is from the internet. A hurdy gurdy is a stringed instrument that produces a sound by a hand crank turned rosined wheel rubbing against the strings. So it's like a violin. But imagine if a violin had Congress with a ukulele, which is its cousin, and they shouldn't have done that. So now they are parents to a hurdy-gurdy. You are fired. The hurdy-gurdy is mostly a violin, but due to inbreeding, has an extraneous wheel. You can pick up your last check at the end of the week. (laughs) Okay, so he's playing a hurdy-gurdy. He's playing Good King Wenceslas on the hurdy-gurdy. This is what I wrote. I wrote, so we find a hobo with a fire on top of the train who thinks life is free. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hop aboard this rattler anytime I feels like it. I own this train. It's like I'm the king of this train. Yeah, the king of the Polex. In fact, I am the king of the North Pole! He, I have a theory about the train tramp. I'm going to tell you what people think, and then I'm going to tell you what I think. Okay. Okay. There's all this symbolic imagery around him, like, actually being, like, the Holy Spirit and everything. Like, something about, like, St. Wenceslas needing the Holy Spirit to guide him through a snowstorm so he walked in Jesus' footprints or something like that. I don't know. Like, so maybe the tramp is the Holy Spirit. Like, that's how most people see it. Here's my theory. I think that this adult... (laughs) Tramp living on this train. I hate you so much. Why? Because you know exactly what I'm about to say. Yep. I think he's a kid who lost his ticket. 
You think he's a kid who never got off? Yeah, because like he's like he sees this ticket in this kid's hand, and he's like, "Mmm, that's mighty important. I put mighty important things in my shoe." And he shows us his shoe, and there is a hole in the bottom of his sole. Yeah, just yeah. just like the kid's got a hole in his robe pocket. Oh my God, what if he's the Polar Express demon trying to trap him with him forever? Oh my God, Roz. Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on. But we'll come back to the hole in the pocket. Just just put a pin in that. How are they not falling off this? train it's going for it's going so fast what'd you tell me five minutes ago christmas magic the hobo doesn't believe in santa and he's always on this magic train so i don't get that no i don't also this hobo never blinks you don't think so he doesn't blink once wow i noticed that immediately well you know holy spirits don't need to blink i guess not i'm like the wind (laughs) is a whipping the snow is plowing into your face how are you not blinking and because, like, the kid's like, well, what about Santa? I want to believe. But. But you don't want to be bamboozled. You don't want to be let down to Primrose Bear. You don't want to be caught or duped. Have the wall pulled over your eyes. Hoodwinked. You don't want to be taken for a ride. Railroaded. Seeing is believing. I don't, I, I just, it's like, I don't know what you're about, sir. I don't know why you're encountering me up here. I don't know. I just don't, I, the, the, the thing about the hobo never for me gets really resolved. Well, I mean, I mean, when you really think about it, if you, if you buy into the whole, he's the Holy Spirit thing, it, it does kind of make sense. It does come back again. So like, I, I kind of believe that. I, the thing is that, I mean, this next thing kind of plays into what you're saying, maybe. What he does is, is he packs that shit up. Real quick. Yeah, his little hobo bundle. Yeah, he packs it up, and then he just, like, very creepily turns around and asks the kid, One other thing. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. And he's like, no. And he's like, I'm just fucking spooked. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? Also, it's Tom Hanks. <laughs> the hobo is Tom Hanks. This whole sequence of getting off the roof is too nerve-wracking. Oh my god. So, it here's the thing. Since this could all potentially be a dream, it makes perfect sense for the hobo to get on skis, and then for Hero Boy to get on the hobo's shoulders, and for us to go flying down the train car when we're on an incline. Like, this route is dangerous and whack. I know it's magic, but what the hell? We've got kidnapping, reckless endangerment, <laughs> criminal negligence. Things are not up to code on this locomotive. Like, and now we're going over roller coaster esque tracks in northern Canada. This is the first of a couple roller coaster sequences. So this kid is almost maimed, but uh, jumps into the coal and is saved from death. But the hobo fades away into magic dust. Yeah, like they're coming up on a tunnel, and the hobo is like. Peace out, and then he just dobbies out of there. He dematerializes. So, like, he's not, like, a flesh and blood creature. He finds Hero Girl by herself in the engine of the locomotive and goes, What the... You! It's like in the Anastasia when he lands in the engine and there's no one to be found. Except in this case, there's a little girl at the controls. And he's like, you're driving the train? And she's like, yo, calm the fuck down. I got this. This big lever here, that's the throttle. And then this little one here, that's the brake. And those are the pressure gauges. 
world is the whistle. She is always level-headed the entire time. She's like, stop freaking out. Stop freaking out. The engineers are recklessly on the front of the locomotive, going a million miles an hour, trying to change the headlight. These two smack of, like, an old comedy duo. Like, they're like Abbott and Costello. Like, and it, like there's not a lot to them. It's just, like, one's, like, really big, and one has a really long beard, and they're really just here for shtick. And now we need to stop because there's caribou on the tracks. Yeah, like, here's the thing. Part of, like, fleshing this whole narrative out is, like, sprinkling in these huge thematic action sequences. Mm -hmm. We've already ridden across the cars on skis. Now we gotta, like, bring this huge train to a screeching stop so we don't murder a bunch of caribou. We respect all life on the Polar Express, but caribou come first. We get this train barely stopped in time. Caribou crossing! I may get her to be at least a hundred thousand, maybe even a million. It's gonna be hours before they clear the track. crack. We are in some serious jelly. So it turns out yanking on the engineer's long beard emits a sound from him that I, I guess he can talk to caribou. Yeah, I, I don't understand The this. caribou sounds cute. I know. <laughs> they're so cute. They're but very high-pitched. I think they're taking it as like a, I think they're taking it as like a challenge on this territory. There's like, like 100,000 of them out there. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> Holy crap, I didn't know they traveled in herds this big. This is where I wrote, who are these men delivering these children to the North Pole? What's the operation here? They're Do in- they work for Santa? Oh, yeah. They all work for, like, the conductor works for Santa, so they would presumably all work for so Santa. So when the conductor says, the boss, we're talking about Santa? Yep. So we get the train moving slowly, says the conductor. Also, can we let everybody get back inside before we start moving, please? Yeah, no, I don't know why. I mean, I know why this is happening, so we can have this next ridiculous sequence. But, like, the engineers are now inside the cabin, and the conductor and hero boy and hero girl are still standing on the front of the locomotive. Like, we still need to get back inside. And so what? We're just going to walk on the icy edge of this train to get back inside? Sure. They're going really fast, really fast, really fast. And it's because it's because potato engineer can't get can't get the I don't even know. See, I don't know how trains work. No, like there's some something's jammed in the brakes and the brakes won't work. They stop working like the cotter pins, not all the way in. And so now they can't stop. And the conductor is looking at the kids like, well, here's where we are. Considering the fact that we have lost communication with the engineer. We are standing totally exposed on the front of the locomotive. The train appears to be accelerating uncontrollably, and we are rapidly approaching Glacier Gulch, which just happens to be the steepest downhill grade in the world. I suggest we all hold on tightly! Glacier Gulch can fuck all the way off. We're on a roller coaster now. This is... Why is this locomotive roller coaster exist in northern Canada. Canada, explain. <laughs> you demand an explanation. 90% of Canada is inaccessible. So... Well, I think this is arguably some of the inaccessible part. Like, why do you think it's built so crazy? This is really fun to watch. Oh, imagine seeing this in IMAX. Imagine the terror of everyone on board. <laughs> especially those on the outside. Like, <laughs> the conductor has just tied them on with, like, a piece of fabric. That's all that's separating them from death. Mm. And they 
bucket downward onto this lake. They run aground on this ice shelf. Yeah, because the the ice has formed over the tracks. So now we're sliding. Uh, What I want is the scenes of the children being flung about their respective cars. Oh my god, inside? Because, like, the thing is, you don't get any child reaction from this. But, like, like, when they first run onto the lake... You can kind of hear as the tra- the back of the train swings around the ah! <laughs> of all the children inside who must be terrified for their lives. They're not wearing seatbelts. They certainly aren't. <laughs> with oh cups God. of hot liquid. <laughs> oh, God. So now we have to flip the train back around to avoid the cracking ice. What in the name of Mike? <laughs> I love that so much. We finally get the train stopped and he rips that engineer cabin open and he's like... In the name of Mike. Look! You know that cotter pin that flew out? It landed in the ice several hundred yards away and uh, cracked it. So now the ice is cracking. And we're not situated on the tracks. We've actually swung completely backwards, facing the wrong direction. And now the ice is breaking apart. We gotta get the train turned around. Get us the blazes out of here. We gotta throw the train in reverse, swing it back around, and we gotta aim at the mouth of this gorge and just pray we get back on the tracks. <laughs> right! Left! Hang a Louie! <laughs> Toss a Richie! Never heard those used before. Toss a Richie! What does that mean? Uh, it means... Go right. <laughs> All right. Okay. In old timey speak. Hang a Louie, toss a Richie. <laughs> the train is literally sinking as they're getting back on track. Because it's not like they're going to fall to the bottom of but a lake. These poor children, they're <laughs> half underwater. I hope no windows are open. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Holy crap. And they magically get back on track. And I was like, they need to go check on the other kids <laughs> right now. They're rolling back, like they're going uphill again. They're to... going like up and around that mountain. I love that shot. I of know. The train going up in a swirl around the mountain. And they're going back to the car via the roof. We haven't learned anything. And the conductor is telling them the story about when he first like got here, like wherever he came from, when he first started conducting, he was making his rounds on top of the train and he almost slipped and fell, but something reached out and grabbed him. The kid is like, what did he look like? Because there's totally a hobo camping out on the roof of the train. (laughs) What did he look like? Did you see him? No, sir. But sometimes seeing is believing. And sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. Like the belief in Santa Claus. Okay, guys. All right, fine. What? I just, I'm a doubter. I'm a filthy doubter. (laughs) Well, yeah, honey. We're full-fledged, petty, bitter adults. (laughs) (laughs) So we finally get into an actual car where old toys have been brought to be refurbished. That's the Polar Express's other job. They go around and, like, pick up broken toys. (laughs) Did you hear that train last night? (laughs) There's no train that goes through here. Dude, it sounded like it was in the alley. (laughs) Like, by where the dumpster is? Yeah! They're getting all the broken toys. And they're going to re-bicycle them. Now we've come to the nopey portion of this program. Yeah. um, Because you know how I don't do dolls. uh Like, I don't do China dolls. I don't do marionettes. I don't do those things. There's too many marionettes in this car. It's designed to creep us out. And job well done. I hate this. We get shot of wooden hand on shoulder. Oh, my God. He's, like, alone in this car. Everyone else has gone through to the other car. And just this wooden puppet hand comes down on 
It's an Ebenezer Scrooge puppet? That scares me every time. I hate that so much. It's pretty nopey. Um, Oh, puppets freak me out. Because you know what he says to him. You are just like me, my friend. A Scrooge! Ebenezer! North Pole, Santa Claus, this train, it's all a bunch of humbug! About of indigestion. Oh yeah, I know what you are. You're a doubter! A doubter, you don't believe! You're a doubter! <laughs> oh no! You doubt! Oh god! And I'm like, uh-oh. Like, they're We're pointing. really pushing the Christmas agenda here. They're pointing at us! Yeah! <laughs> at us. So he gets the hell out of there. And we're singing again. I would like to skip over this part for the most part. We found the kids again. Like, nothing happened. Everyone is perfectly fine yeah, to no- still be on their way to the North Pole. I would be kicking and screaming. I know. I would be like, give me a phone. <laughs> I'm calling my mom. I'm telling her, you lured me onto this train. Yes. And now I have whiplash. <laughs> And then the northern lights appear. We're finally in the Arctic Circle. We're coming up on the North Pole. We've arrived, and North Pole is just like a whole ass city continent thing going on. It's like Coruscant in Star Wars. <laughs> it's just like a floating city out there on the ice. Yeah. Like, I love that the conductor cries because oh. they they got there five minutes ahead of schedule. I know. <laughs> he cries. It's a precious moment. <laughs> also, it appears to be a ghost town. Well, yeah, everybody's like getting ready. They're putting the final touches on the biggest night of the year. And, and I mean, I just love that the whole thing looks like Miracle on 34th Street. Of the depictions of the North Pole that I've seen in Christmas Town, this might be my favorite. Because like this is like a whole province. There's millions of elves and creatures living here to facilitate the miracle of Christmas. Stark, barren, and devoid of life, my eye. Like they're all getting ready for this huge ceremony, right? They're going to have this ridiculous ceremony where they get all the kids on the train and all the elves they're gonna see santa off and right before he leaves santa is gonna give the first present of christmas to one of the kids yeah on the polar express um before trying to convince lonely kid billy to get off the train hero boy accidentally disconnects the final car from the train did he cause that yeah i didn't notice that i thought he steps on it on his way into the car oh okay and it breaks loose and, like, all the other kids are getting off the car. They're going to go see Santa. And Billy just Billy just has to make it all about himself. Now listen to me. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Let's be nice to he Billy. Just, he just goes, Christmas just doesn't work out for me. Christmas just doesn't work out for me. Never has. But Christmas is such a wonderful, beautiful time. It's a time for giving and being thankful for friends and family. People hang decorations and lights. And then Santa comes and leaves presents under our Christmas trees. Christmas just doesn't work out for me. They do not put a fine enough point on the fact that he has almost stopped believing in Santa because he is from a poor neighborhood. And Christmas is probably fundamentally different for him. And he might not get presents every year, if at all. He's like, Christmas just doesn't work out for me. And I'm just like, oh, Billy, 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 Billy. I love Hero Boy. He's like, come on, man. Don't stay here by yourself. We'll all go together. Them and uh, Hero Girl. Except now the car that he detached is returning to the garage on its own. They end up in this turntable. And so they get out of the car. Hero Girl is like, I hear the bells. You hear that? 
the bell. What bell? The sleigh bell. Sleigh bell? Did you hear it? It's coming from that tunnel. Yeah, like, she starts claiming she can hear bells. Like, are, honey, are you feeling okay? She hears them coming from a tunnel to the right, so they go to the, or the left. I don't care. The important thing here is that we don't hear the bells. Like, Billy and Hero Girl claim they can hear these bells, but Hero Guy and us, we can't hear them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about, bells? What I do care about is them having to navigate their way over this chasm between the turntable and the exit. Because they're effectively in, like, a big parking garage, right? Kind of, I guess. And I don't so, know. like, there's train tracks, but they, like, they don't have planks on them, so they have to, like, tightrope walk across this chasm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? This film makes me more nervous than I remember. Yeah, I know. Well, like, it just does. And so, through a, through a series of places we go through, we finally get to mission control. Yeah, we're, like, in a communications depot. That gigantic globe in the middle of the room the elves have a very sophisticated <laughs> setup yeah they do this is like this is like the nsa this is nato shit like, yeah, like <laughs> they have surveillance across the globe they have air traffic control they've got like dozens of screens with kids asleep in their beds making sure they're not being naughty so close to christmas the naughty alarm <laughs> Just what we need. Things are bad enough. What's his 20? Apparently, some kid from Maplewood, New Jersey stuck some gum in his sister's hair. What are we talking about here, boss? What is he, Mashugana? We talk- <laughs> What is he, Mashugana? <laughs> are we talking nothing for Christmas this year? Oh my god, they're threatening not to give this kid presents. And I love how the, the head honcho elf puts his hand on the candy cane phone. <laughs> this like- is obviously... The London Bridge is down phone. <laughs> it's, the, it's the phone to the big guy. It's the phone to the boss. And he's like, ah, forget it. <laughs> we'll cut him a break. But put him on a check it twice list for next year. The humor's good. The humor's good. <laughs> I love how they actually say before they all leave, come on, time is money. <laughs> oh my God. This is a fully functioning economy they here. They are capitalists at the North Pole. <laughs> well, done. this is Christmas we're talking about. <laughs> so they take a post office tube to the wrapping hall. <laughs> the pneumatic tube. Yeah. yeah, they do. They sure do. So as it turns out, we've got one last present to put in the bag. It's for Billy. Yeah, we're in like this huge wrapping depot mm-hmm. and they're on this conveyor belt and they can't figure out how to get off. And here comes the last present to go in the bag. And it's for Billy, because it's going to Grand Rapids at the last address they stopped at, which was for Billy. <laughs> so Billy's like, I'm following that. And they're like, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> and so we follow through this series. We're in another roller coaster thing again. Like some of you have probably been on a water slide. It's kind of like that. We go through we go through this whole series of shoots that finally leads us onto a gigantic onto a gigantic skyscraper high pile of presents. Oh my god, there's this humongous pile. Like we're talking oh the Grinch could never. Though the Grinch could never. The Grinch could absolutely never. They start moving on this platform on top of this pile of presents, and they start rising through this hole in the ceiling. These drawstrings are, like, coming up alongside them. Humongous ropes. Yeah, to close the bag that they're in. They're in Santa's bag. It's the size of, like, it's the size of, like, 
I don't even know. I don't even know. It's like a five-story building of presents. It's insane. I mean, it is for all the children in the world. And like, you know, it's going through this hole in the roof and it's got like this target painted on the roof. (laughs) This is a very sophisticated operation. And then it opens up and there's a a military class dirigible (laughs) pulling this gigantic bag of presents out of this building. It's going to airlift them over to the square by the Christmas tree. To put it on Santa's sleigh. Like all the elves are already getting over to the square to like start this party. Like there's, there's millions of them. We realize that somehow, some way, the know-it-all made it into the bag of presents with them. He's like got Billy's leg. Yeah. It's like a horror movie all of a sudden. And he's like, I can't, I can't get it. And then he's like, it's still got me. On three again. One, two, three. <laughs> you. Yo, what are you doing here? Same as you. I'm checking on my Christmas presents. I want to make sure I'm getting everything on my list. All I found was one present and all I had was a bunch of stupid underwear. And he's like, well, I was just following you. And I'm like, we never saw you once, so. I don't know why they chose to stick him in there at the last second, because we're almost to the end. Were the dirigibles coming closer and closer to the Christmas tree? I just love the conductor. I may be just an old railroader and know nothing about lighter than aircraft, but from my layman's perspective, you need more altitude. So we get more altitude back and we're just, about over the tree but the bottom of the bag graces the tippy top of the gigantic star and wouldn't you know it that star goes tumbling off the top oh no we're gonna have dead elves and i just love how there's the shot of it falling to earth that gigantic star and none of the elves are moving yet (laughs) oh no and i'm like are they just gonna accept this Like somehow I always knew it would end this way. This seems a little culty to me, not gonna lie. So I bet the elves are like, oh, I hope the star hits me. Oh no! (laughs) Ross! How very dark! I got martyred for Christmas. Oh no. The elves body this so hard. They immediately go after it. They bungee jump! Yeah, and they catch the star (laughs) before it falls! Before it just shatters and murders all the elves. Oh no! And they get it back on top. They flip it back up to the top and it lands perfectly and lights back up. And I'm like, these elves are the things that they must train for. Oh no, I love the elves in this movie because it's like they're not like jolly and jubilant. Like they're obviously overworked and you are in their way. Like elf rights, join Spew today. Absolutely. So we line up the famous reindeer. Yeah. And they, and then we're bringing their slews of sleigh bells to put on them. And they're shaking them. And Hero Boy can't hear them. And Hero Girl's like, isn't that the most lovely sound you've ever heard? And he's like, I can't hear shit. What are you talking about? Like, I would be like, what, what, what is going on? Like, here's the thing. After everything he's seen and done tonight, he can't hear them. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just like, maybe the, maybe the belief is just hacking away at that really jaded nugget of him. Okay. The moment has come. I love that it's been five minutes to midnight for an hour. Yeah, like they got there five minutes to midnight, five minutes ahead of schedule. Yeah. And it's not been a single, not a single moment has passed. It's like time does not exist. I mean, how else does Santa get around? He doesn't live within the constraints of time. You know what? That is a very fair point. We're finally here. We're going to meet the boss. The big man himself. I love that they start singing Santa Claus is coming to town. (laughs) 
big doors open, and there he is. Mm-hmm. But we can't see him. No, it's just his shadow. Because Hero Boy can't believe in him, see him, you know, anything. Because that's what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing is believing. And he, everybody's clamoring, and Hero Boy can't get a good look. He's getting, like, the flash of an elbow, the top of his hat. A sleigh bell breaks off the sleigh. Everything slows down. Yeah, it rolls to the kid's feet, and everything just gets slow and spooky for a minute. And I'm like, why? He picks up that bell and he's shaking it and he can't hear it. Okay. I believe. I believe. And all he has to do is say he believes and it finally rings for him. And in the reflection of the bell, he sees Santa behind him. What was that you said? I believe. Yeah, and does a really good Santa voice. You almost don't know it's Tom. The tramp and Santa do not sound like Tom. So, um, guys, kid gets picked for the first gift of Christmas. Hero Boy gets the very first gift. And, like, he literally gets him sat on his, sat by his side in the sleigh and goes, what would you like for Christmas? And I just, he just, he, he thinks for a second and then he whispers in his ear and then Santa's like, As you wish. As you wish. And then he hands him a Woody doll. (laughs) No. But would that not just rock your world? That would. That would. I would be like, holy shit. There's a snake in my boot. The first gift of Christmas! And he holds that bell up and he goes, the first gift of Christmas. It's like the Holy Grail. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I wonder what past children have asked for. I don't know. And did the nuts go, did the nuts, did the elves go nuts over those two? I don't know. Like, and do they already have like a a list of things pre-prepared or do they just magic something out of nowhere? Well, I feel like they have to, yeah. I mean, they'd have to have, it would have to be both, wouldn't it? It's very convenient (laughs) that all he wanted was this bell. Yeah. This bell is a wonderful symbol of the spirit of Christmas, as am I. (laughs) Just remember, the true spirit of Christmas lies in your heart. So it's finally midnight. It's time to go. Yeah, it's time to be home in our bed. He's like, oh, come on, get yourself out of here. I got seven continents to hit. The conductor looks at him and says, keep that bell in a very safe place. And he puts this bell in the pocket of the robe, the one with the hole in it. They watch the sleigh take off, and it's really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the atmospheric value of this is wonderful because it just, it gives you a very high-resolution opportunity to understand a lot of the machinations of this whole Santa thing with the comm station and the elves and the ceremony of the first present. It's a wonderful expansion on this picture we get in the book. 
Once Santa finally takes off, I love how all the elves throw their hats in the air. Mm -hmm. Like, immediately, it's time to party! And we have a Steven Tyler elf singing Rockin' on Top of the World. (laughs) (laughs) I love it! Like, they are like, we have been working all year long. It is time to McLose it. And so the conductor's like, okay, kids, the elves are getting rowdy and drunk. We need to get out of here. (laughs) He's punching all their tickets as they get back on the train. Remember how they all had letters to start with that were nonsensical, just like B-E or L-E? See, he punches in Billy's ticket, and Billy has it turned over, and it says, depend on. He flips it over, and it says, rely on. And he flips it back over, and it says, count on. And I said, I wouldn't count on shit from these people running this train. (laughs) And he hands him that ticket and goes, here, you learn to count on people like your new friends. And he's like, I sure did. And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, no, I feel like that becomes a little hollow there at the end. And so he punches in Hero Girl's ticket. This is lead. Like lead balloon. I believe it also was pronounced lead, as in leader, leadership, lead the way follow you anyway, ma'am. I love that. I love that as well. I love that so much. That was not a message I got a lot. She does lead them basically the whole time. Oh no, she is the Hermione Granger of this whole movie. Absolutely. She saves them from dying multiple times. As women usually are doing in film. (laughs) (laughs) Just let us do the work. Like, come on. We stand the conductor on this podcast. Yes. And hero boy, you guessed it, the word on his ticket is believe. Mm -hmm. Like, try to pretend you didn't see that one coming. It's nothing I need to know. We get back on the car. Everyone wants to see the bell. Everybody's like, oh my God, it's the kid. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Let's see the bell. Let's Show see the bell. Show us that bell. And he lost it. He sees the hole in his pocket. Yeah. And he's like, oh God, I remember how devastated I felt as a kid seeing that in the story. Because how would you ever prove you were there? <laughs> I wrote, that fucking sucks. I-, <laughs> <laughs> I said, wow, fuck. Now it really could have all been a dream. Your parents are going <laughs> like, to look for a psychiatrist because the only proof has evaporated. The, the, the friggin' know-it-all. Gee, that really is too bad. <laughs> really? You're just mad. You just want it's really bad. (laughs) Well, yeah, thanks, man. And I'm like, shut up. We pull up back to Billy's house. Billy gets off the train. I hope they'll be friends after this. Maybe they won't know they encountered each other at all. I don't know where Billy is. Is he just on the other side of town? Yeah, I guess. Okay. And so they let him off, and Santa's already been to their house. Yeah. And because he goes in and he comes back out with the present and he's reaching out and he's like, Santa came, Santa came. And they're like, he goes, that's amazing. He already got to his house. And then the boy goes, yeah, amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it was the last present in the bag. So it was on top. So it was probably the first place he went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Fair like, enough. Like everyone, I feel bad. Everyone whose present gets put in the bottom of the bag. <laughs> Yeah, no, Do you think right. Santa's just on your roof digging through that bag for five hours <laughs> before he finds your presents? I'm sure it's organized in there. You just don't know it. Maybe it's like a computer. Maybe he just thinks like everything for this continent and then like it just goes whoosh. We pull in 
to Hero Boy's home. He's saying goodbye to Hero Girl, and they hug, and it's adorable. And the conductor's like, come on, come on, no time for this cutesy shit, let's go. Mm-hmm. I love how he gets all folksy with him right there at the end. Because like, he thanks him, he goes, thank you. No, thank you. One thing about trains, it doesn't matter where they're going. What matters is deciding to get on. train is believing in Santa Claus, in case you haven't been bludgeoned to death by that. So the moral is hop on the bandwagon. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a cynical way to put that. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that the moral there is you have to open yourself up to believing. Mm-hmm. I, I, think that's, I think that's a nice little bow. So Hero Boy goes inside. Milk and cookies are still there. Still no presents under the tree. Why hasn't Santa been by yet? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we wake up. Yeah, like, we're just awake now. Because Sarah is bugging the shit out of him to get out of bed. You remember being 10? I do. You know, bugging everybody to get out of the, get out of bed? I once tried to get everyone up at, like, 8 in the morning. <laughs> or no, I think I tried to get everybody up at, like, 6. Yeah, you were and, ready. And mom and dad were like, buddy... <laughs> We need to sleep longer. When he gets up, he rips the hole in his robe again. Uh Uh-huh. Like, so it could have been a dream. They're opening up presents downstairs. Did you see the train, by the way? Yeah, I know. Isn't it cute? It looks just like the Polar Express. Yeah. I love it. Of course. Why not? And they're opening up presents, and there's this little present under the tree. And, like, Sarah's like, there's one more. And it's for Hero Boy. Mm Mm-hmm. And he goes to open it up. And it's the bell. Mm-hmm. There's a little card inside that says, Dear Hero Kid, <laughs> I found this on the seat of my sleigh. Found this on the seat of my sleigh. Better fix that hole in your pocket. Mr. C. It's like, oh my friggin' God. Yeah. And so the parents are like, what's that now you got there? You can literally see that it's Tom Hanks. I know. The dad. Like, <laughs> he looks just like him. <laughs> like they never show his face full on, but you can so see that it's him. <laughs> and he picks the bell up and they're shaking it. They can't hear it. They go, oh, that's too bad. Somebody gave you a busted bell. I love how they're not questioning where the bell came from further. I know. Like they're the ones that put the damn presents under the tree. Like they should have been like, Bob, did you put this under here? Linda, I did not. <laughs> Linda, we've been over this. Are there drugs in the bell? (laughs) Is there poison in the bell? Is someone trying to hurt us? Where did the bell come from? But they can't hear it because they're adults and they don't believe. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I love it. Because he and Sarah can still hear it. Uh Uh-huh. But, you know, he says... At one time, most of my friends could hear the bell. But as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah found one Christmas that she could no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all who truly believe. That is a great piece of writing. Mm. That is a killer closing line. The bell still rings for me, as for all who truly believe. I don't. I'm sorry. You don't believe. <laughs> I don't want to be cynical here at the very end. It's a very touching movie. It is. And I do I do love it. And I think it's I think it is important for children 
to believe. Like, it's just like Santa Claus, belief in Santa Claus is more like, I mean, I don't want to be this way, but it's a state of mind. It's a belief in goodness, I think. A belief in goodness and generosity mm-hmm. and doing good for others. And if you're a kid who's ever believed in Santa Claus, the magic of the whole concept, the lore, the iconicism, the feeling you get on Christmas Eve and how we associate Santa with childhood and when we find out he's a filthy Dumbledore lie, like I said at the beginning, like that's the beginning of the end of our childhoods. So that belief becomes something very precious as we grow older. And that's the spirit we cling to. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about white people mostly, right? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) for the most part, Christmas on the whole is very white centric and all that stuff. That's its own conversation. But like just at its core, the belief in Santa, Mm. whatever that means to you is supposed to be is a big part of all of our growing up. And then, Gavin, this is for you. Children sleeping, snow is softly falling, dreams are calling, like bells in the distance. Guys, it's Josh Groban. It is Josh Groban. It's Gavin's husband, Josh Groban. (laughs) He sings the outro song for the credits. Oh, I love it. It's so smaltzy. It's a good song, too. Josh Groban, he's good. He's got a good voice. Yes. He's good. He's good. He's got a sense of humor about himself. He certainly does. Guy's the office. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Or playing himself on Glee. Yes. All those times. He was in Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so welcome back, Josh Groban. (laughs) Believe in what your heart is saying. Hear the melody that's playing. There's no time to waste. There's so much to celebrate. Believe in what you feel inside. And give your dreams the wings to fly. We did Polar Express. It was a treat revisiting that. Guys, we've got a couple more things coming to you this month for the holiday season. We hope you're feeling it. We hope that everybody is in good health and doing well and that your families are doing well as the Christmas season goes further along. Try to remember that we are all in this together. In the meantime, cuddle up with some of these movies we've got coming at you this week and next week. Next week, we're going to be doing another favorite. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of your least favorite. We'll be back with us. <sighs> Guys, it's going to be a classic. Next week, we are covering the 2003 Christmas film, Elf. Elf. Oh, uh, Will Ferrell. Which backwards is Flea. <laughs> As in Flea from and Will Ferrell. Phil Werrell is back with us again. He's here to be a fool, and I am here for him to be a fool. Exactly. You cannot deny that you <laughs> love this movie. We're going to have a fun time next week. Oh, my God, James Conn! Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> 
most random appearances ever. I know. And Peter Dinklage. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. We got to beef up on our Game of Thrones references. I don't think we need to do that. <laughs> All right. In the meantime, guys, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, guys, rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to be able to join this watch party. And guys, one of the best ways you can be generous on the internet this holiday season when you're on Twitter is retweeting creators in general, whether it's artists, whether it's musicians, whether it's podcasters. It costs literally zero dollars. If you love content, share it with people you love. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom. Gossip news, gossip news, gossip news.